Act Three of the Gay Lord Quacks by Arthur Wing Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Third Act. The scene represents two rooms, a bedroom and boudoir, separated by an arched opening across which a portiere is hung. The portiere is, however, drawn aside, and the bedroom, in which is a bed with an elaborate canopy, is partly revealed. The boudoir is nearest to the spectator. Above the fireplace, with bare hearth, on the right, is a broad window running obliquely towards the centre, concealed by heavy curtains. On the left of the window, facing the audience, is a door admitting to a long, narrow passage, in which a hanging lamp is burning, and on the left of this door is the arched opening dividing the bedroom from the boudoir. Another door opens into the boudoir on the opposite side from a corridor, or landing. Beyond this door, against the wall, is a cabinet, on the top of which is a clock. A chair stands at each end of this cabinet. On the left of the arched opening, placed obliquely, the mirror turned from the audience, is a cheval-glass, and on the right is a sculptured figure or ornamental pillar supporting a lighted lamp. Before the window stands a large dressing-table. On the table are a pair of candelabra with lighted candles, a looking-glass, toilet bottles, and a hand-mirror. A chair faces the dressing-table. Nearer to the spectator are a writing-table with a heap of French novels on it and an armchair. Opposite stand a circular table, an armchair and a settee. A silver box containing cigarettes, an ashtray, a match-stand, and a lighted spirit-lamp are on this table. The rooms are richly furnished and decorated, but in an old-fashioned and formal manner. Everything is subdued and faded in tone. There are no pillows upon the chairs, nor on the settee, nor any other signs of ease and comfort. Keys are in the locks of both the doors. The Duchess and Mrs. Eden are seated. The Duchess in the armchair, Mrs. Eden upon the settee, smoking cigarettes. Mrs. Eden is wearing a smart dressing-jacket. The Duchess is still fully dressed. Sophie, who has assumed an apron, is engaged in bringing hair-brushes and some toilet-bottles from the bedroom, and in arranging them upon the dressing-table. Her eyes are constantly upon the Duchess. These are awfully pleasant cigarettes. I didn't know you. Duchess, plaintively. My doctor insists for my nerves. Mrs. Eden, blowing rings. I love smoking. Such a bore, because women are rather dropping it. Examining her cigarette. What are these? I forget. I see. Argyropolis. There is a knock at the door. Sophie goes to the door and opens it slightly. A note is handed to her. Sophie, looking at the note. Oh, thanks. Closing the door. I beg your pardon, your grace. It's for me. She returns to the dressing table, reading the note. Mrs. Eden, jestingly. Ah, Sophie, you must encourage no more sweethearts now, remember? This is from him, Mrs. Eden. From Mr. Velma, saying good night. He's gone to bed. Good gracious! How do you know? Mrs. Gregory, the housekeeper, has allowed him to sleep here tonight, so that we may go back together in the morning. Ah, yes. Duchess, taking off her bracelets. My jewel case, Sophie. Sophie puts the note to her lips, slips it into the bodice of her dress, and re-enters the bedroom. Mrs. Eden to the Duchess. By the by, what 
did valma see in your hand duchess after dinner why wouldn't you tell us i was too vexed at the moment with downcast eyes he professed to discover that a number of men are in love with me yes but what made you angry why that that they were shocking words to listen to even when spoken by a mere fortune-teller and you why did you not confide to us the result of mr valma's reading of your palm sophie comes from the bedroom carrying a jewel-case which she deposits upon the dressing-table i was in a rage too ha ah, there's only one man in love with me it appears duchess with a shudder one is sufficiently dreadful horrid uh, making a moo it's jack my husband duchess reprovingly hush dear mrs eden sophie sophie comes to the duchess languidly i shall read for half an hour before attempting to sleep put me into something loose yes your grace sophie again retires to the bedroom mrs eden rising may i look at your literature mrs eden goes to the writing-table and turns over the books she finds there the duchess glances at the clock and eyes mrs eden with impatience la calvaire d'une vierge lune de miel les adventures de madame plan oh i've heard of this this is a little hmm isn't it i read those things for the sake of their exquisitely polished style the subjects escape me mrs eden seating herself by the writing-table and dipping into madame plan ah yes the style the style absorbed we haven't much real literary style in england have we sophie returns carrying a pink tea-gown trimmed with green ribbons and a richly embroidered mandarin's robe will your grace put on one of these with a curl of the lip they're both very becoming i should think duchess smiling sadly becoming as if that mattered child which will your grace duchess to herself closing her eyes couleur de rose to sophie uh, that pink rag take off my collarette sophie lays the tea-gown and the robe over the back of the settee and proceeds to unfasten the duchess's pearl collarette mrs eden startled by some passage in the book she's reading oh i say what dear mrs eden mrs eden bethinking herself soberly ah yes the style is excellent isn't it duchess to sophie while the collarette is in process of removal have you everything you require for the night child yes thank you your grace miss gilchrist mrs eden's maid has lent me a nightgown and a pair of slippers duchess handing her bracelets to sophie drop them into the case sophie puts the collarette and bracelets in the jewel case the duchess rising again looks at the clock and at mrs eden sophie returns to the duchess who is now behind the settee duchess to sophie it is very good of you sophie to attend upon me sophie averting her head not at all your grace duchess taking up the mandarin's robe here is a pretty thing for you giving the robe to sophie wear it to dress your hair in in the morning sophie breathing shortly oh no your grace please nonsense child take it sophie somewhat out of countenance lays the robe over the back of the chair mrs eden looking up 
Well, you are a lucky girl, Sophie. Yes, I know it's very beautiful. Returning to the Duchess. But I, I think I'd rather not. Ch -ch. Help me. The Duchess is standing before the cheval glass, which conceals her from the audience. With Sophie's aid, she slips out of her dress and puts herself into the tea gown, while she talks to Mrs. Eden. Miss Eden is not well tonight, I'm afraid. She didn't come into the drawing room. Mrs. Eden rises and goes to the settee, upon which she partly kneels while she chatters to the Duchess. She complained of headache and bolted upstairs. Muriel is such an odd girl at times. A sweet one. Perfectly adorable. Only I wish she wasn't so moody and uncertain. But the headache. Sympathetically. Dear child. An engaged girl ought not to have a headache. No girl ought. It's just one of those things that makes a man ponder. Ponder? Reflect. A man loves to think a girl is like an angel, beautiful pink and white right through, with no clockwork. The moment she complains of headache or toothache or a chillblain on the heel, the angel game is off, and she's got to try and hold her own as a simple mortal. And as a mortal, she's not in it with a man. No, it's angel or nothing with us women. I remember my mate saying to me when I was engaged to Jack, Sybil, now mind, enjoy the very best of health till you have been married at least ten years, and then be sure you have an excellent motive for cracking up. The clock tinkles out the half-hour. She glances at the clock. Half-past eleven, the dead of night for this house. Rising. I'll be off to my cot. Sophie carries the Duchess's dress into the bedroom. Duchess, coming to Mrs. Eden. Must you? Good night. So nice of you to allow me this gossip. Delighted. They kiss affectionately. We go shopping together tomorrow, do we not? Yes, yes. Mrs. Eden, with exaggerated regret. Tomorrow, your last day here. Misery. At the door, finding she still has Madame Plan in her hand. Oh, do you happen to be on this one? Uh, not that one. I wonder whether you'd lend it to me. Gladly. As you say, there is something about these French writers. Style. That's it, style. Opening the door. Ah, lights out. Can you see? Mrs. Eden, going out. There's just a glimmer. She disappears. I'll keep the door open till you have turned the corner. Sophie comes back and stands watching the Duchess. The Duchess remains at the open door for a little while, then kisses her hand to Mrs. Eden and closes the door. Shall I brush your grace's hair now? Duchess, going to the writing table and taking up a book. No, I will do it. The exertion of brushing my hair I often find encourages sleep. I'll put myself to bed. Run away. Don't let me see or hear anything of you till the morning. Eight o'clock. She reclines upon the settee and opens her book. Sophie, eyeing her keenly, is about to withdraw. Oh, Sophie. Sophie returns. Do you believe in Mr. Valma? Believe in him, your grace? Believe that when he reads a woman's hand, he has really the power of divination, the power he professes. Oh, yes. Duchess, looking away. Then if he tells a woman that a great many men are deeply in love with her, you... you... I'm sure he knows what he's talking about. Duchess, with a little purr of contentment. Hmm. 
assuming indifference i heard recently of an instance of his having conjectured such a state of affairs from the lines of a woman's hand severely i could only hope that his surmise was an incorrect one sophie her eyes flashing scornfully you see your grace if a woman is pretty and valma finds venus's girdle well marked in her palm and if he concludes from other signs that she's vain and light and loose it isn't much to suppose that there are a few horrid men licking their lips at the thought of her my good girl what curious expressions you make use of resuming her reading that's all sophie goes to the door and opens it i wish your grace good night duchess raising her head for a moment good night you are not taking your robe sophie looks at the robe and hesitates in the end she gathers it up uneasily i i am very much obliged to your grace yes you have thanked me enough turn out the lamp in that passage certainly your grace sophie disappears shutting the door after her the duchess remains quite still for a moment then rises promptly replaces her book and seating herself at the dressing-table puts her hair in order this done she takes up the hand mirror and smiles frowns and looks caressingly at herself then she lays the hand mirror aside blows out the candles upon the dressing-table and poses before the cheval glass ultimately completely assured as to her appearance she cautiously opens the door at which sophie has departed and going a few steps along the passage listens with strained ears the passage is now in darkness apparently satisfied the duchess returns and closing the door gently turns the key in the lock her next proceeding is to attempt to tear one of the ribbons from her tea-gown failing in this she detaches it with the aid of a pair of scissors and opening the door leading from the corridor ties the ribbon to the outer door-handle whereupon she closes the door and walks about the room contentedly suddenly she pauses and going to the cabinet produces a small tray on which are a bottle of champagne and the champagne glass placing the tray on the circular table she regards the single glass thoughtfully then as if struck by an idea she disappears into the bedroom after a brief interval the door opens softly and quacks enters carrying a lighted wax match being in he shuts the door silently and looks about the room hearing the duchess in the adjoining apartment he frowns and blows out the match coming to the circular table he contemplates the preparation for his reception with distaste then flinging the match into the ashtray he sits with a set determined look upon his face after another short pause the duchess returns polishing a tumbler with a cambric handkerchief quacks rises duchess under her breath <sighs> he bows stiffly she places the tumbler on the tray tosses the handkerchief aside and first motioning him to stand away from the line of the door opens the door removes the ribbon from the handle closes and locks it then she turns to him with a long-drawn sigh ah quacks coming down gloomily is it all right quite advancing to him with outstretched hands welcome harry oh welcome quacks retreating a few steps firmly 
One moment. I have something to ask of you, Sidonia. Looking round. You are sure? Yes, yes. Only don't raise your voice. Glancing towards the door, my maid sleeps in a room at the end of that passage. Gracefully seating herself upon the settee and motioning him to sit beside her. Sit down. Oh, the woe of this final meeting. The pathos of it. Quacks bitterly withdrawing the chair a little further from the table yes i agree with you there is an element of woefulness in this meeting it is not altogether without pathos not altogether quacks sitting facing her but for yourself my dear sidonia well i have the consolation of believing that directly you turn your back upon fancy court much of the woefulness of your position will evaporate harry forgive me you admit that you delight in coloring even the most ordinary events of life rather highly if i may put it more roughly you are disposed my dear sidonia at times perhaps a little inopportunely to burn a great deal of red fire leaning forward at any rate i beg an especial favor of you tonight what no red fire duchess chilled is this the something you had to ask of me he bows in assent i cannot remember ever having seen you in this mood this is our first actual tete-a-tete -tete since my engagement to miss eden oh i understand and now shall i tell you where the woefulness and the pathos most conspicuously display themselves on this occasion if you wish to in the confounded treachery of my being here at all treachery you know i am under a bond of good behaviour to my old aunt and to the edens duchess with a slight shrug of the shoulders really yes clenching his teeth and this is how i observe it after all my resolutions this this is how i observe it he rises and paces up and down the room duchess fretfully i am bound to remark that your present behaviour appears quite unimpeachable unimpeachable here alone in your company duchess covering her eyes with her hand oh cruel 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 duchess with heaving bosom but there if you deny me the possession of real feeling why should you hesitate to rain blows on me quacks softening coming to her my dear sidonia i don't i don't mean to duchess rising and grasping his hands oh harry Chuh, please he releases himself and she sinks back upon the settee her eyes closed he regards her uncomfortably for a moment then with some hesitation he produces from his coat-tail pocket a small box covered with a pretty brocade with which he toys uneasily you expressed a wish to leave here on friday with a sensation of despair at your heart sidonia if your feeling about our parting is really a deep one heaven knows i have no desire to make it more acute duchess partly opening her eyes what is in that box harry that is just what i was about to to lifting the lid and closing it these are the little souvenirs which have passed from you to me at odd times duchess with reviving interest ah 
Yes. I have had no other opportunity. Looking about him awkwardly for a place to deposit the box. Will you? Shall I? What the devil's to become of them? Duchess, sitting upright and passing her hand over her back hair. Were there a fire, we could crouch over it and watch the flames consume them one by one. But there isn't a fire. Duchess, rising and taking the box from him. Let us examine them. No, no, no. Yes, yes. Opening the box and gazing into it. Ah, poor little objects, dead yet animate, silent yet, oh, how eloquent. Don't go away. She overturns the contents of the box onto the table. They stand opposite each other, looking down upon the litter. She picks up a ring. A ring? Thoughtfully. Turquoise and pearl. Recollecting. Stockholm. You remember? That night you and I sat watching the lights of the café on the Norbro. Yes, yes, you've recalled it already today. Duchess, picking up a scarf-pin. A scarf-pin? Copenhagen. Ah, that pretty stateroom of mine on the Irene. Yes, yes, charming. Duchess, taking up a locket. A locket. My name in brilliance. Genoa. Look, it still contains my hair. Quacks, nodding. Hmm, um... Duchess, taking up a white shoe. My shoe? Where? Quacks, shaking his head. I don't... Mentone. Of course, Mentone. Duchess, discovering some object in the shoe. What is this? Producing a garter of pale blue silk with a diamond buckle. Uh, uh, where? Ah, yes. Replacing the things in the box. Oh, the poor little objects, dead, yet animate, silent, yet, oh, how eloquent. She passes him and slips the box into the drawer of the writing-table. The clock strikes a quarter to twelve. Quacks, glancing at the clock. By Jove, it's late. I'll, I'll leave you now, Sidonia. Duchess, turning. No, no, not yet, Harry. Coming to the table and taking up the box of cigarettes. Why, you forget. Offering him the box. Argyropoulos. Quacks, accepting a cigarette reluctantly. Thanks. Again looking at the clock. Well, three minutes. Duchess, taking a cigarette, replacing the box and holding the spirit lamp while he lights his cigarette from it. You were not always so impatient. In lighting his cigarette, the flame of the lamp is blown out. Ah! After replacing the lamp, she lights her cigarette from his, gazing into his eyes. Argyropoulos. Dreamily. Once more. Argyropoulos. Yes, yes. Capital tobacco. He gets away from her. And look, you see, Harry? Quacks, turning. Eh? Duchess, pointing to the bottle of champagne. Félix Poubelle, carte d'or taking up the scissors which she has left upon the table the wire is already severed she commences to cut the string he comes to her quacks taking the scissors from her oh permit me always intent upon avoiding her he moves away the bottle in his hand cutting the string duchess following him 
is it likely to make a loud report hardly duchess frowning censoriously one doesn't want the sound of that sort to ring through the corridors looking about her impatiently these formal frigid rooms she runs lightly into the bedroom snatches a pillow from the bed and returns to him quacks his hand upon the cork what is that for duchess enveloping his hand and the bottle in the pillow calmly it is wiser to muffle it he pauses looking at her fixedly quacks in a low grave voice dolly dolly closing her eyes you give me my pet name again ah dolly if only there wasn't quite so much in one's life to muffle he pulls the cork she tosses the pillow onto the settee a little irritably may i she inclines her head he pours wine into the glasses she takes the champagne glass he the tumbler duchess sentimentally felix poubelle carte d'or looking at him over the brim of her glass eh bien au joyeux passé non non à un avenir meilleur que vous êtes prosaïque soit they drink she sits with a sigh of dissatisfaction ah quacks leaning against the table drinking his wine a wonderful wine really exceptional struck by a thought turning to her forgive me you must have found some difficulty in introducing monsieur felix pobel into this hallowed apartment no sipping her wine my maid thinks it is by my doctor's orders your maid yes sipping his wine then sitting upon the settee glass in hand but my poor aunt must be highly scandalized duchess her glass at her lips dear lady albridge will not know i told the girl to coax it out of the butler as if it were for herself these women have a way of doing such things quacks laughing rather sadly <laughs> who is beyond temptation not even old bristow sixty if he's a day duchess shrugging her shoulders <laughs> sixty or sixteen when a girl is fascinating fascinating your woman watson no no watson has left me for a few hours i am speaking of sophie there is a brief silence quacks surprised in the act of drinking lowers his glass slowly sophie miss fulgarney the manicurist she was so good as to offer to take watson's place for to-night quacks looking steadily before him oh there is another pause the duchess puts down her glass and with her foot pushes the footstool towards quacks duchess sliding from her chair on to the footstool oh harry the bitterness of this final meeting the dull agony of it he gets rid of his tumbler and touches her arm duchess eh i am sorry to alarm you but this girl miss eden's foster sister what about her she's a cat cat quacks gathering his ideas as he proceeds a common hussy not above playing tricks spying spying i caught her behind the hedge this evening in the italian garden after you and i had been talking together behind the hedge she had previously done her best 
to make an ass of me while you were dressing for dinner looking towards the passage door where do you say her room is at the end of that passage they rise together with very little movement oh but she is in bed and asleep is she harry wait he goes to the door and examines the keyhole then he turns to the duchess and beckons to her she joins him he says in a whisper pointing to the keyhole do you notice what the key is in the lock horizontally she may have been peeping at us he nods she is sick at the thought how inexcusably careless of me quacks at her elbow listen i'll keep out of sight open the door boldly and walk along the passage see if there is any sign of movement yes yes steadying herself perhaps we are disturbing ourselves unnecessarily quacks nodding reassuringly perhaps so he draws back into the bedroom but so that he can put his head out at the opening and watch the duchess's proceedings she goes to the door and lays her hand upon the key oh oh great heavens it's all right it's all right very likely i am mistaken now the duchess opens the door suddenly and sophie who is kneeling at the keyhole lurches forward ah sophie enveloped in the mandarin's robe gathers herself up and without a word flies away along the passage the duchess shuts the door and walks unsteadily to the settee quacks comes down his mouth set hard i was sure of it what will she do will she tell yes she'll tell why do you speak so positively she is in miss eden's confidence the trull and she has always shown her teeth at me now i remember drawing a deep breath ah yes i see miss fulgarney has met mischief throughout duchess sinking upon the settee quacks quietly well i'm done oh my reputation i'm done my reputation i have never ceased to guard that as you know i've lost her my reputation of course i deserve it but he sits his head bowed duchess looking up to think to think that i allowed this plausible creature to thrust herself upon me he raises his head glaring fiercely she beats the pillow oh oh my reputation in the hands of this low creature ah with a half smothered cry he goes to the door and pulls it open the duchess runs after him and seizes his arm i said i'd wring her damn neck i told frayne so duchess pushing him away from the door don't don't violence will not help us she closes the door he stands clutching the chair by the writing-table the clock strikes twelve midnight leaning upon the chair at any rate you had better go now quacks turning to her i beg your pardon i regret having lost control of myself duchess miserably it has been a wretchedly disappointing meeting quacks heavily let us see each other in the morning she nods be walking in the grounds by nine yes rallying 
after all harry there may be nothing behind this woman's behaviour it may have been only the vulgarest curiosity on her part quacks incredulously ha however in that case money money i ought to sound her directly she presents herself at my bedside ought i not earlier before she has had time to get about the house stand at nothing if she's to be bought she shall have whatever she demands any sum how liberal of you quex walks towards the door then turns to her one thing i hope i need hardly say duchess what quex with dignity worst comes to the worst i shall defend you by every means in my power i'm done i feel sure drawing himself up but of course i shall lie for you like the devil duchess plaintively thanks and i have dragged you into it all Tch. bowing stiffly good night good night she goes to the table and prepares to remove the tray having turned the key of the door quacks pauses she says fretfully oh why don't you go harry quacks facing her sharply a new light in his eyes no you go i quacks returning to her excitedly i tell you i can't wait through a night of suspense quick facing the room leave me to deal with her here at once you quacks snapping his fingers by jove yes what are you going to do give her a fair chance and then spoil her tale against you in any event how trust to me impatiently go duchess but where where can i run away to mrs jack ask her to let you share her room to-night pointing to the writing-table ah scribble a message the duchess seats herself at the writing-table and writes agitatedly at his dictation quacks dictating the duchess of strood has been seized with a dreadful fit of nerves and has gone to mrs eden's room come to her there at eight lay that upon the bed indicating the bedroom is there a door in there duchess rising breathlessly yes locked yes the key imperatively give me the key she runs into the bedroom and having laid the written message upon the bed disappears for a moment he refills his tumbler and drinks chuckling sardonically as he does so <laughs> she returns with the key which he pockets the bell that rings in your maid's room she points to the bell-rope hanging beside the passage-door good motioning to her to go now she's going towards the other door he detains her Hiss. thoughtfully if anything unusual should occur remember that we were simply discussing books and pictures in the italian garden before dinner duchess intently books and pictures of course in an outburst oh you are certain you can save my reputation quacks politely yours at least my dear duchess sleep well she's about to open the door when a thought strikes her and she again runs up to the bed ah oh. eh she returns carrying her nightdress case a thing of white satin with a monogram and coronet embroidered upon it she holds it up to him in explanation he nods and she lets herself out he immediately locks the door at which she has departed and slips the key into his waistcoat pocket 
this done he pulls the bell-rope communicating with the maid's room and takes up a position against the wall so that the opening of the passage-door conceals him from the view of the person entering after a pause the door is opened and sophie appears the frills of her nightdress peep out from under the mandarin's robe and she's wearing a pair of scarlet cloth slippers altogether she presents an odd fantastic figure she pauses in the doorway hesitatingly then steadies herself and with a defiant air stalks into the bedroom directly she has moved away quex softly closes the door locks it and pockets the key meanwhile sophie looking about the bedroom for the duchess discovers the paper upon the bed she picks it up reads it and replaces it and coming back into the boudoir encounters quex oh quex with a careless nod ah sophie recovering herself and speaking with a contemptuous smile so her grace has packed herself off to mrs eden's room firmly who rang for me please i rang you what for oh you and i are going to have a cosy little chat together sophie haughtily i don't understand you we'll understand one another well enough in a minute he lights another cigarette and seats himself upon the settee she moves to the back of a chair eyeing him distrustfully now then you've been at the keyhole have you Ye yes eh yes you know i have ah and i should like to know a little more while we are upon the delicate subject of spying when i found you behind the cypress hedge this evening before dinner well you had just at that moment returned to the italian garden you said yes so i said as a matter of fact you had been there some time i presume a minute or two heard anything sophie laughing maliciously <laughs> i heard her grace say tonight faintly mimicking the duchess tonight with a curl of the lip that was enough for me quite so you told a deliberate lie then when i questioned you yes earlier in the evening that manicure game of yours nothing but a damned cunning trick eh i beg you won't use such language a trick eh certainly you wanted what did you want sophie disdainfully a kiss or a squeeze of the waist anything of that sort would have done oh would it you didn't get what you wanted though no i suppose you were frightened what too many people about for you quex stifling his annoyance Tch, if i had with a wave of the hand what course would you have taken pray sophie with an air of great propriety complained at once to lady albridge as it is what do you think of doing now about you and her grace quex scowling yes oh tell the ladies in the morning first thing quex again putting a check upon himself <laughs> why do you behave in this contemptible way it isn't contemptible isn't it not under the circumstances what circumstances Oof, a wicked man like you engaged to a sweet girl like miss muriel i see politely you don't approve of the engagement should think not always done your best to poison miss eden's mind against me i expect always let her know my opinion of you and i was right right this very day poor thing she was saying how proud she is of you because you've turned over a new leaf for her sake and i told her what your promises are worth 
Yes, I was right, and now I can prove it. He rises. She hastily places herself on the other side of the chair. Look here. Leaning against the table, the chair being between him and Sophie. What will you take to hold your tongue? Nothing. Oh, but wait. This isn't a matter of a handful of sovereigns. I'll give you a couple of thousand pounds to keep quiet about this. No, thank you, my lord. Four thousand. Sophie, shaking her head. No. Five. No. How much? Not twenty thousand. I'm extremely comfortably off, my lord, but if I wasn't, I wouldn't accept a penny of your money. All I wish is to save Miss Muriel from marrying a... a gentleman who isn't fit for her, and that's what I intend doing. They stand, looking at each other for a moment, silently. Then he walks away, thoughtfully. Quacks, in an altered tone. Come here. Sophie, with an eye on the door. Certainly not. As you please. Miss Fogarney? I hear you. I should like to settle this business with you pleasantly, if possible. Allow me to say this. I don't think I am quite such an atrocious person as you appear to believe. In fact, I can assure you, I am not. Sophie, gathering her robe about her and advancing a few steps. You must excuse me, my lord, but... Glancing round the room. You evidently forget where you are. No, I don't. But I tell you, I tell you sincerely, that my visit to her grace tonight was an innocent one. Sophie, turning her head away in great disdain. Really? Really. You won't accept money? No, indeed, I will not. Very well. Huh. It's an odd attitude for a man like myself to adopt towards. Indicating Sophie by a motion of the hand. But I make an appeal to you. Sophie, elevating her eyebrows. Appeal? Quacks, with simple feeling and dignity. I love Miss Eden. I would be a good husband to that young lady. Let me off. Let you off? Don't tell on me. Don't try to rob me of Miss Eden. Let me off. I'm sorry to say I can't, my lord. You won't? I won't. With a slight inclination of the head, Quacks turns away and stands leaning against the settee with his back towards Sophie. The clock strikes the quarter of an hour. There is a short silence. If your lordship has quite done with me? He makes no response. She tosses her head. I wish you good night, my lord. She goes to the passage door and turns the handle. It's locked. This door's locked. Looking at him. The door's locked. Rattling at the door handle. Where's the key? Searching about on the floor near the door. Where's the... Coming forward a step or two. Has your lordship got the key of this door? Still obtaining no answer, she stands staring at him for a moment. Then she goes quickly to the other door and tries the handle. As she does so, Quacks turns sharply and, leaning upon the back of the settee, watches her. After shaking the door handle vigorously, she wheels round and faces him indignantly. What's the meaning of this? Quacks, grimly. Ah! Oof! She sweeps round to avoid him and then runs into the bedroom. When she has gone, he seats himself in the chair by the writing table in a lazy attitude, his legs stretched out, his hands in his pockets. After a moment or two, she returns breathlessly. I'm locked in. Yes. You have locked me in. Yes. How dare you? Why? 
You didn't think you were going to have it all your own way, did you, Sophie? I'll thank you to be less familiar. Let me out. Not I. You let me out directly. Quacks, pointing a finger at her. You'll gain nothing by raging, my good girl. Huh. Now you appreciate the curiously awkward position in which you have placed yourself. I've placed myself in no... Oh, come, come. Taking me at my blackest, I'm not quite the kind of man that a young woman who prides herself upon her respectability desires to be mixed up with in this fashion. Mixed up with? Well, stretching out his arms, here we are, you know. Here we are. You and I, dear Sophie. Putting his leg over the arm of his chair. Now just sit down. I shan't. While I picture to you what will happen in the morning. In the morning? In a few hours' time. In the first place, you will be called in your room. You won't be there. Won't I? No, you won't be there. A little later, my man will come to my room. I shan't be there. At about the same hour, her grace will require your attendance. Where will you be? She will then, naturally, desire to return to her own apartments. You are intelligent enough, I fancy, to imagine the rest? After a brief pause, she breaks into a peal of soft, derisive laughter. I am deeply flattered by your enjoyment of the prospect. <laughs> Why, you must take me for a fool. Why? Why can't you see that our being found together like this, here or anywhere, would do for you as well as for me? Quacks, rising. Of course I see it. Advancing to her. But, my dear Sophie, I am already done for. You provide for that. And so, if I have to part with my last shred of character, I will lose it in association with a woman of your class, rather than with a lady whom I, with the rest of the world, hold in the highest esteem. Sophie, after a pause. Oh, oh, indeed. Yes, yes, indeed. Sophie, with a shade less confidence. Huh, if your lordship thinks to frighten me, you've got hold of the wrong customer. <laughs> Two or three things you haven't reckoned for, I can assure you. Here's one. I told Miss Muriel exactly what I heard between you and your duchess in the garden this evening. Quacks grinding his teeth. You did? Involuntarily making a threatening movement towards her. You did, you! Sophie, cowering over the settee. Quacks, recovering himself. Oh, you did, did you? Sophie, facing him defiantly. Yes, I did. Well, and what then? You listened to a conversation carried on in an open spot, from which your mischievous ears managed to detach the phrase, tonight. My explanation, if I am called upon to make one, will be absurdly simple. Ha <laughs> ha! Will it? Ha <laughs> ha! I dare say! Yes. You see, I promised her grace that I would send a book to her room tonight. Tonight. My man had gone to bed. I brought it myself, intending to hand it to Mrs. Watson, her maid. In the meantime, the Duchess had joined Mrs. Eden, and I found you here. You couldn't tell such an abominable lie. Quacks imperturbably. I found you here, and then... 
what is the obvious sequel to the story shrugging his shoulders i'm a wicked man sophie and you're an undeniably pretty girl and the devil dared me <sighs> quacks taking up the bottle of champagne and an excellent banquet you had chanced to provide for the occasion reading the label felix pobel carte d'or it will appear i'm afraid that you had been preparing for the entertainment of some amorous footman sophie snapping her fingers at him Puh! bah oh the whole house shall know that it is your duchess's champagne excuse me mr brewster the butler will disapprove that tale you wheedled this out of him on your own account remember oh uh, yes but for yourself my dear sophie yes but but she made me do it she made you do it replacing the bottle sternly and who pray will accept your word upon this or any other point against that of a lady of the position of the duchess of strood he walks away from her and examines the books upon the writing-table she sits on the settee a blank expression upon her face sophie after a little consideration wiping her brow with the back of her hand at any rate my darling miss muriel would quickly see through a horrid trick of this sort i bet you a dozen boxes of gloves to a case of your manicure instruments that she doesn't i said to her to-day at my place that i was certain if i could meet you alone in some quiet spot i could get a kiss out of you quacks under his breath glaring at her you coolly oh now i understand yes my dear but miss eden is scarcely likely to believe that a modest girl would carry her devotion to this extent good heavens why your attire she pulls her robe about her sharply and a woman who compromises herself recollect is never measured by her own character always by her companions she starts to her feet and paces the room uttering cries of anger and indignation he continues to interest himself in the books Ooh, no no my darling wouldn't think it of me when i've abused you so continually she surely couldn't oh oh with flashing eyes now look here my lord you don't really imagine that i'm going to stick in this room with you patiently all through the night do you how do you propose to avoid it sophie pointing to the passage door as true as i'm alive if you don't unlock that door i-i-i'll scream the place down why scream pointing to the bell-robe which hangs beside the door there's the bell i dare say a servant or two is still up and about you'd rouse the house quicker in that way much obliged to you for the hint i will i will she goes to the bell-robe and grasps it then she looks around and sees him calmly turning the leaves of a book he has selected she stares at him with sudden misgiving Ha! Huh. now we shall see how much your grand scheme amounts to we shall ring the bell what do you mean oh my dear ring 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 or yell you won't be the first semi-circumspect young person who has got herself into a scrape and then endeavoured to save herself by raising a hullabaloo she slowly takes her hand from the bell-robe and moves a step or two towards him oh that's what you'd try to make out is it he raises his eyes from his book and gives her a significant look 
leaning upon the arm of the settee she says faintly you you yes i tell you again my dear you have got yourself into a shocking mess you've got me into a mess and you've got yourself in a mess sophie pulling herself up and advancing to him till she faces him you you are an awful blackguard my lord thank you my dear but you're not far wrong i was a blackguard till i met miss eden and now losing miss eden perhaps i'm going to be a bigger blackguard than before at the same time you know there's not much to choose between us for you're a low spy an impudent bare-faced liar a common kitchen cat who wriggles into the best rooms gets herself fondled and then spits passing her and throwing himself full length upon the settee and settling himself to read therefore i've no compunction in making you pay your share of the score my dear sophie none whatever she walks feebly to the passage door and stands rattling the handle in an uncertain way at last she breaks down and cries a little let me go my lord he makes no response do let me go please will you approaching him and wiping her eyes upon the sleeve of her nightdress i hope your lordship will kindly let me go quacks shortly no sophie steadying herself i don't want to rouse the house at this time of night if i can help it don't you though i am certain i can make my story good anyway but I'd rather your lordship let me out without the bother. Piteously. Do! He turns a leaf of his book. She speaks defiantly. Very well. Very well. Here I sit, then. Seating herself. We'll see who tires first, you or I. You or I. Again snapping her fingers at him. Bah! You horror! You horror! Quacks, raising himself on his elbow. Will you have the sofa? She gives him a fierce look. A glass of your wine? She rises with a stamp of the foot and once more paces the room. He sips his wine and resettles himself. She goes distractedly from one object to another, now leaning upon a chair, then against the pillar of the cheval glass. Ultimately, she comes to the bell rope and fingers it again, irresolutely. Sophie, faintly. My lord? He remains silent she releases the bell-rope she pauses by the settee looking down upon him as though she would strike him then she walks away and seating herself in the chair by the bedside drops her head upon the bed the clock tinkles the half-hour there's a short silence suddenly she rises uttering a sharp cry with her hand to her heart oh! 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 quacks looking at her what now valma valma mr valma oh you know he's in the house he what's he doing here the housekeeper gave him permission to sleep here you know stamping her foot don't you know quacks sitting up alertly oh my jealous friend the palmist he is on the premises eh sophie distractedly let me out oh yes he is jealous of me he is jealous of me and we've had a few words about you as it is ah oh this would ruin me with valma oh if your lordship hasn't any feeling for me don't let valma think that i'm a, that i'm 
going down on her knees before him. "'Oh, I won't tell on you. I promise I won't, if you'll only let me go. I will hold my tongue about you and the Duchess. I take my solemn oath I'll hold my tongue.' Quacks rising. "'Ha! No, my dear Sophie. I wasn't aware that your fiancé is in the house. So the situation comes home to you a little more poignantly now, does it?' Sophie, rising and going to the passage door. "'Unlock the door. Where's the key?' wait 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 and you're going to keep your mouth shut after all are you sophie rattling the door handle yes yes unlock it don't be in such a hurry i give you my sacred word quacks thoughtfully ch 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 sharply with a snap of the fingers yes by jove pointing to the chair by the writing-table sit down imperatively sit down she sits wonderingly he goes to the table selects a plain sheet of paper and lays it before her then he hands her a pen write as i tell you sophie tremblingly what quacks pointing to the ink ink dictating my lord she writes he walks about as he dictates my lord i am truly obliged to you yes for your great liberality sophie turning eh go on she writes for your great liberality and in once more availing myself of it i quite understand oh after writing yes i quite understand that our friendship comes to an end she rises and faces him go on our friendship yes our friendship yes i won't very well how dare you try to make me write such a thing he turns from her and book in hand resumes his recumbent position on the sofa she approaches him falteringly what would you do with that if i did write it simply hold it in my possession as security for your silence until after my marriage with miss eden then return it to you Oh, won't your lordship trust me quacks contemptuously trust you after a pause she returns to the writing-table and takes up her pen again where were we sophie feebly i quite understand that our friendship comes to an end she writes he rises and looks over her shoulder while thanking you again for past and present favours sophie groaning as she writes <laughs> i undertake not to approach or annoy you in the future Ugh. upon any pretext whatsoever yours respectfully after watching the completion of the letter dated vaguely with a wave of the hand monday afternoon blot it moving away that's right she rises reading the letter with staring eyes then she comes to him and yields the letter and he folds it neatly and puts it into his breast-pocket thank you i think i need detain you no longer ah stop a bit no i won't what's the matter with you why it's like selling muriel just to get myself out of this i'm simply handing her over to you i won't do it i won't she rushes to the bell-robe and tugs at it again and again she shan't marry you she shan't i've said she shan't and she shan't 
leaving the bell-rope and facing him fiercely. "'Oh, let your precious duchess go scot-free. After all, what does it matter who the woman is you've been sporting with, so that Miss Muriel is kept from falling into your clutches? Yes, I'll make short work of you, my lord. The lady shall hear from my mouth of the lively half-hour I've spent with you, and how I've suddenly funked the consequences and raised a hullabaloo. Now, my lord, now then, now then!' His astonishment has given way to admiration. He gazes at her as if spellbound. Quacks, after a pause during which she stands before him panting, By God, you're a fine plucked one. I've never known a better. Resolutely. No, my girl, I'm damned if you shall suffer. Quick, listen, pull yourself together. Sophie hysterically. Huh? Ah! Quacks, taking her letter from his pocket and thrusting it into her hand. Here's your letter. Take it. I won't have it. Going quickly to the passage door, unlocking it, and throwing the door open. There you are. Sophie, sobbing. <gasps> oh! There is a hurried, irregular knocking at the door. Quacks, gripping her arm. Hush. In a whisper. Call out. Wait. Sophie, raising her voice unsteadily. Wait! One moment! Quacks in her ear as he gives her the key of the door. Say the Duchess is with Mrs. Jack. Say she wants her letters brought to her in the morning. Say anything. Yes, yes. Weeping and shaking and gasping, she goes to the door and unlocks it. He tiptoes into the bedroom and turns out the light there. She opens the door an inch or two. Yes. What is it? What's the matter? Sophie, steadying herself with an effort. Oh, nothing. Only her grace has gone to Mrs. Eden's room and wishes her letters taken there in the morning most particularly, see? What did you ring like that for? Thought the place was a fire. Oh, don't make a fuss about nothing. You servants are an old-fashioned lot. Bonsoir. Oh, oh good, good night. night. <laughs> she closes the door and totters away from it, sobbing hysterically as Quacks comes to her. Quacks, kindly. Be off. Go to bed. Serve me how you please. Miss Fulgarney, upon my soul, I... I humbly beg your pardon. Sophie passing him. Oh! Oh! Uh. Turning to him. Oh, God bless you. You... You... You're a gentleman. I'll do what I can for you. She staggers to the passage door and disappears, closing the door behind her. Then he extinguishes the remaining light and cautiously lets himself out at the other door. End of the third act.